Hey, Peter Howard here on the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Don't let them know. Keep it quiet. But I've infiltrated the nerd base. Come check out the show. I'll tell you how to beat them. Thanks. Yeah. Chicken, chicken or crow, crow. Chicken or crow. Crossing hey, Peter Howard here from the Dynasty Crossroads Show. Do you find yourself thinking about nerds? Do you want to beat nerds all the time? Do you sometimes? I know. Whatever Dynasty Outhouse would say. Listen to the Dynasty Crossroads. I hope you beat the nerds. Let's go. Yeah. Chicken or crow, chicken or crow, crossing the... From DynastyLeagueFootball.com in the DLF family of podcasts, it's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roam in the streets of Superflex City. And this is the Superflex Super Show. Rookie Talk rolls on, and I've got one of the absolute best here. Longtime friend of the Super Show. It's been too long since Matt Hicks has been on the show, though. At the FF underscore educator. And uh, uh, coming off of the Senior Bowl. Um, coming off of the Super Bowl as well. We've got Super Bowl champs, and now we can stop talking about that and focus on the rookies. Uh, and I know that's music to your ears, Matt Hicks. Thanks for coming back, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. If there was ever any doubt that it's draft season, then it's thrown out the window. It's officially draft season for everybody. It's the best time of the year, man. I, I absolutely love it. And I'm I'm psyched to be here on this show in particular, man. I love it. And, and we go back pretty far now. Yeah, yeah. It's it. Like I said, it's it's been a while, but you're one of the uh, one of the originals, one of the original super friends of the super show. So, uh, yeah, it, it's draft season. Apparently, it's Traylon Burke season. Um, I want to <laughs> want to talk to you about that. See if we can see if we can dump some uh, cold water on that. Or are we just gonna fan the flames? Uh, but before we get to that. Uh, this is something I've been doing every single episode the for the last few weeks, and uh, I've I've asked Matt to join me uh, in this endeavor. I'm going to give you just kind of a quick action item that you can take into your off season here, uh, a, a move that you can make, and uh, that way uh, you can you're you're not going to be able to say you're not going to be able to. When you when you rate and review the Super Show, you're not going to be able to say that it was a waste of time because you got something out of this, if nothing else. And here's the thing: I mean, when I, I when I've got a guest like Matt, you're going to get a ton of information from this episode. But just to make sure that absolutely everybody out there has something that they can take away from this episode and use in their own leagues, we're just going to give you some quick action items. I'm, I'm going to start real quick. Mine is just this simple. Buy or stash Robert Woods. You just lost Odell Beckham Jr. Most likely for the majority of the 2022 season to that ACL injury, unfortunately. He he had just kind of hit his stride uh, with the LA Rams, and then to have that that brutal injury in the Super Bowl uh, is is really unfortunate. But, you know, kind of the, the, the byproduct of that, is Robert Woods coming back from his own ACL injury uh, is more likely to be ready for the start of the season. And uh, there's your there's your X receiver uh, for the majority, if not all, of the 2022 season. Matt, do you have any thoughts on that one? And uh, do you have your own? 
Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. I have been the the Cooper Cup guy forever. Like, I, I have so much Cooper Cup. Uh, way before this season, it, it served me so well. Yeah. Uh, but the pendulum has swung, man. We I was just talking about it before this. It's like, I don't know. If it's, it's prime time, right? Everyone's on the Rams. Get in on that action because I'm actually I, I I'm going to trade Cooper Cup right now because his premium is so high yes. and I never thought I'd utter those words, uh, but I think you you have a really good point here. The OBJ injury I feel like was just kind of hidden or, or you know a very like undertone storyline. So uh, Bobby Trees will be back, man, and in Cooper Cup is going to continue to be fantastic. But at some point, everybody has the price, and I've been seeing some prices for Cup already. <laughs> yeah just two weeks ago i had addison hayes on the show with me and uh and i was talking about to me cooper cup is a sell like you said and it's it's just the fact that i mean he's he's kind of at max value right at the moment right. so that's that's it it has nothing to do with the fact that i think that cooper cup is suddenly terrible it's not that i don't think you know, at least a portion of his production is going to be sustainable. All it, he he can still be, you know, the best slot receiver in the NFL and among the absolute best wide receivers in the NFL uh, it, it, for the time being. But you still you, you you capitalize on something like this. You have to. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, do you have a uh, an action item for us, Matt? Yeah. One of my things, and, and we'll dig more into this now here everybody's kind of, you know, trying to throw, throw a damn towel here on this rookie class, uh, kind of trying to, you know, put down there's depth in this class. Maybe it's not as talented at the top and it's going to feed into our discussion here today, but my dynasty action item is, is, uh, by those third and fourth round picks right now, I think they're going to be essentially free because folks really aren't valuing the class, I believe correctly, especially the, the depth of the class. And so I know like, I've picked up a couple orphans already this offseason because I'm a sicko. Uh, the first thing I did was turn some of those vets into third and fourth round picks, right? If, if you are somebody who uh, feels like you need a little bit extra ammo to compete, maybe you're, you're looking to compete next year. Right now, third and fourth round picks are going to be so cheap. And we know that picks only accumulate value the closer and closer you get to the NFL draft, right? And your rookie drafts. Uh, and so right now people are starting to catch on. They're going to put premiums on those first and second round picks. They haven't put premiums on the third and fourth round picks yet. Uh, that's my big action item right now. That's what I'm doing in my dynasty leagues. I absolutely love that. I was going to ask you, you know, is there something that we, that, that people aren't really seeing with this draft class? you know, that we could be doing that we could to give us a little bit of an edge. And here's the thing, like, so you just put out on, uh, on your, uh, I believe on the podcast, I saw it on YouTube. Uh, it's so it's the rookie big board is the YouTube channel and the podcast. Um, check those out. Uh, but you, you did a super flex mock draft, uh, here fairly recently within the last week or two. And you went four rounds where like, this time of year, I mean, we're we're really just kind of, everyone's focusing on the first round. Everyone's kind of, you know, get into the second round a little bit because, you know, inevitably the the tiers uh, in with this class in particularly, it's it's the wide receivers and the quarterbacks kind of spill into that second round. So it's like, all right, what the hell? Let's do twelve more. No <laughs> one's going four rounds, man. 
And like that's that makes such a huge difference. That's the type of edge that people really are, are just thirsty for and just can't seem to find anywhere. So um yeah, hearing hearing that there's there's some legitimate value, there's some potential, you know, usable players, if not some, you know, deep sleeper type of, of starter guys in the third and fourth round, like what what positions are you kind of targeting in that area that you feel like are going to be available there? And uh, do you have specific names as well? Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. And I got to tell you, uh, I'm a real <laughs> I'm a real sicko. You think four rounds is bad. I was we, I was a couple minutes late to getting in on this recording because I was making sure I could publish uh, while we're recording this. Actually, it should publish. I, I just did a six-round rookie mock draft, so <laughs> 72 picks deep. So, uh, And again, that's over uh, Rookie Big Board YouTube channel or the podcast channel, whatever you want to watch. Um, and I got to tell you, I'll give you kind of – it seems like there's there's two points of value here right now, like talking deeper in the draft specifically, right? I think uh, the second tier of running backs, there, there's a ton of value in there, and it's because – there's a lot. There's not consensus, right? I think at the top of the running back class, most folks, uh, in some order, have uh, Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, and then I put Kyron Williams in that top tier. Some folks kind of put him in a tier on his own, but in some order, folks tend to have those four running backs. And then five through fifteen, man, you could duke it out. Like <laughs> you can argue all day right now. I'm a huge Jerome Ford fan. I think Brian Robinson is going to rise up draft boards. Uh, Tyler Algier has his stands out there. Uh, Rashad White is explosive. Um, But at at that second point uh, of running backs here, I think there's going to be a lot of value because – um, because folks, you know, when there's, when there's less consensus, that's when we get value. Right. So I encourage you to go like, for me, it's Jerome Ford. That's the guy that I want to target out of that group. Cause he's my favorite, but do your, you know, do your own research here over the next couple months and find your guy. Those guys are, are, I find coming off the board here, late second round, early third round. And if you could get uh, a running back that has the potential to, to, you know, fit into your flex spot early in their career or be a running back two over the first three years of their career, and you're drafting them in the third round, that's tremendous value there. Uh, And the second point, I would say, uh, and so this is thinking later into your drafts, right? So think about your early third round, late second round picks for running backs. Think about your late third round, early fourth round, fifth or sixth round picks if you're playing in deeper leagues or or you're in a 16-team league. That's the wide receiver position. There is some tremendous depth at the wide receiver position. You know, I was just talking about a guy like uh, Charleston Rambo. So Charleston Rambo is a great example of the depth of the wide receiver class here. In my mock draft, I put him in the fifth round, and I love Charleston Rambo. He's stashed in all my Debbie leagues. He's a four-star, high-pedigree prospect coming out of college. He has the size. He has the athleticism. He's great along the boundary. He has great hands. He's just not getting the hype right now because he's, he wasn't senior bowl eligible uh, and he didn't have a high, high level of production at, at Miami. But if folks who have been following college football or played Debbie over the last couple of years, you know, Charleston Rambo was the hotness back in 2019 when he broke out in his initial freshman season, ends up transferring to Miami. It's a different scheme. It's not as high impact as Oklahoma. But Charleston Rambo is probably still a fourth-round uh, NFL draft pick, and he's probably not even registering in most rookie ADP right now. Like, that's absolutely wild to think about. Uh, and, you know, countless other guys that I like, Velas Jones Jr. at the back end of the fourth round, Alec Pierce at a wide receiver, 
uh, wide receiver at Cincinnati. I apologize. So, you know, there's a ton of wide receiver value in the fourth and, and even later rounds. So that's kind of, you know, th- those two um, value points I would be looking for running back first because folks always push up the running back position, but then still some really good value for the wide receivers around later. Charleston Rambo. That's one of my, that's got to be one of the best football player names. Like it doesn't totally fit a finesse position like wide receiver. He almost should be like a running back would make a ton of sense or like an edge rusher or something, but that's still, that's such a great name. He doesn't even have to be good to pay off, right? You just get to name your team after him. Forget it. He doesn't even have to be good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Just for the name value alone. Uh, A whole new meaning to name value too. Uh, So between those guys, so it sounds like kind of Jerome Ford and then, and then John Charleston Rambo. uh, (laughs) Those are our, uh, those are, those are two guys kind of in later rounds. It sounds like you would probably even reach for. Yeah. Um, What about in the earlier rounds? Are there guys like if, if you're, uh, you know, kind of, middle of the first middle of the second are there guys with you know slightly later adps that you're gonna reach for and just make sure that you get out of as many drafts as you can yeah absolutely so the guy who's kind of fallen right now late first round that i am absolutely in love with his value and i hope folks don't listen to me so if you're listening to this podcast don't listen to me because i like his adp where it is it's chris alave out of ohio state And Chris Olave has fallen into a beautiful point of value because he's been around a while and he's been very good for a long time, right? And so I can talk about his traits a little bit, but thinking specifically about his fantasy football value, he's hit this twilight zone where uh, analytics folks uh, don't like him because he didn't declare last year. Analytics would have loved him if he declared last year, but he came back for his senior season. And so that's a later entry age. And I know that's a big number for analytics. And I'm not, I'm not knocking that at all because film guys have gotten bored of him. He's been good so long. And I'm, you know, uh, film guys, we love the hotness. We love the new thing. Uh, but Chris Olave has been good for so long that we've just accepted that he's good, right? Uh, you look at him in his actual play style. So he's a really well-rounded wide receiver. I think he can make an immediate impact at the next level. He has really consistent hands. He's got a great catch radius for his size. What I love, love about Chris Olave, it's one of my favorite things when looking at a, a running back. Their first step, their release off press, off the line of scrimmage, Alave wins. He wins consistently off press, off of Big Ten defensive backs here. So it's really good. Uh, but he plays really well in off coverage as well. He speeds up quickly. He has really, really good body control. He's fluid and he's agile here. So Alave, you know, reminds me of somebody uh, that came from last year's draft at the wide receiver position that I soaked up a ton of and I was very happy about. And that last year was Jalen Waddle. And Jalen Waddle kind of fell in a similar situation where he was good for so long. Of course, he had a little bit of a different situation where we lost track of him because he had the injury and his teammate ended up winning the Heisman. But Chris Olave, I think, is in a very similar situation. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbo was the hotness as a younger wide receiver. He was splitting work with Garrett Wilson, who should also be a top three wide receiver on your board right now. So I think we've just gotten bored of Chris Olave. I think we've lost him. I took him uh, you know, consistently in rookie mock drafts. I've been taking him 111, 112, and I've just been 
absolutely loving it. So, you know, if you're talking about a player who I think is sliding in that Jalen Waddle type range, T. Higgins slid into the early second round in a similar way. Uh, Justin Jefferson slid into the second round in a similar way in ADP. You know, I would just absolutely, and I'm not comparing Chris Olave those, to those skill sets necessarily, but just talking about the way that I'm tracking his fantasy value. I'm mm-hmm. I'm loving what I'm seeing right now for Chris Chris Olave. But like I said, don't listen to that. Don't don't follow my <laughs> advice. All right. Let's not correct the ADP uh, <laughs> until we can capitalize on it. <laughs> but yeah, just everyone just kind of keep the secret uh, for the time being. Still only 21 years old too. Like this yeah. is it, when for for the analytics guys who love to chase, you know, college breakout age. I mean, <laughs> this is. This, uh, yeah, that's your guy. Um, so what is, is it really just that it, there were just too many mouths to feed in Ohio State? Is that is that what's what's pushing him down and what's kind of taking some of the sheen off of him? Is that you know, I, I think, you know, part of it here is that Alave had statistically uh, a, a better uh, 2020 season. Um you know, for, well, I shouldn't even say that. Um, well, you look at it's per game, right? So statistically, you know, you go to 2020, he played seven games. He had 50 receptions. He had seven touchdowns, 729 yards. But if you look at this year, he had 65 receptions in 11 games, 936 yards, 13 touchdowns. I mean, you want to talk about breakout age, um, you know, at, at in 2019, a, a sophomore wide receiver at Ohio State, but, you know, arguably wide receiver, you LSU fans, don't come at me here. He had 12 <laughs> touchdowns, 840 yards, and a 17.5 yards per catch average. So he's been productive for a while. And, and I think what's really hurting Chris Olave uh, and helping us is that it's just a really good wide receiver class, right? It's like, you know, folks want to love Traylon Burks. Understandable. I love Traylon Burks. Uh, folks want to love Garrett Wilson. Absolutely fine. Garrett Wilson is a great wide receiver. People want to love Drake London. People want to love Jamison Williams. People just like Chris Olave. You know, he's just good at everything. And so I think that's kind of the, the problem with Chris Olave. You know, he's not the overly athletic big man like Traylon Burks. He's not the huge wide receiver like Drake London. Uh, he's not as technically sound as Garrett Wilson, although I still think Chris Olave is pretty technically sound. He's not as fast as Jamison Williams, right? He, but but he's so good. There's no negatives on Chris Olave. He's really well-rounded, which I think helps him plug into an NFL offense more seamlessly. But listen, at the end of the day, John, and you know this, we're going to plug in these top four or five wide receivers. We're going to plug them into 2022 projections. And whoever hits first is the guy who's going to hold the fantasy football value, right? Because dynasty right. owners, <laughs> they love, they're impatient. They love to chase that quick value here. Uh, and so as much as Chris Olave might not be the sexiest name right off the bat, when he's putting up, you know, touchdowns in, in production in that in month one, you're going to see his value skyrocket because folks are going to be clinging onto him and they're not going to be willing to be patient on a guy like Jamison Williams coming off of injury. Yeah. Is there, is there a, a scenario, is there an application where you would take Chris Olave over it? it like it, it feels like, Consensus has, you know, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, Drake London for sure ahead of him. Uh, you mentioned Jamison Williams. It, like, it, it feels like that's kind of 
that almost feels like the tear break is right before Jamison Williams, at least from what I've seen. And and mm-hmm. you might have a totally different opinion, but like it feels like Olave is kind of in that same tier with Jamison Williams. So is there a scenario though where you like a, a a roster build, for instance, where you would consider Olave over uh, Drake London, for instance? Yeah, I'll tell you, Chris Olave is my wide receiver too right now. So oh, okay. I, I only have Traylon Burks over him right now. But I got to tell you, you know, I I bucket in the rookie big board, my rankings, I, I bucket players into projection tiers, right? So mm-hmm. uh, everybody from, from Burks to Olave, Wilson, London, David Bell, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, and even George Pickens, the top eight wide receivers – I have bucketed into my weekly starter projection, which means I think over the first three years of their career, they legitimately can hang around in that wide receiver 24 to 36 range consistently, right? Uh, I think Traylon Burks, and and I know we're going to talk about him, uh, I think that he he actually buckets a little bit higher uh, in one quarterback projection uh, because, you know, there's a little bit more value at the wide receiver position there. He buckets as a league winner, which is somebody who I, I classify can be a wide receiver one, right? So I think if anybody is in a different tier, it is Burks, um, but it's very close. And then those other guys, it's as of the pre-draft process, they're going to be very, very close. What's going to separate them about 35, 40% of my uh, value formula is about opportunity and what I can project for them once they're on an NFL roster. So a lot of that's going to be about fit, about how they play into that scheme. And then I think at that point, that's when I'm going to be ready to go to Twitter and start uh, fighting people. But until then, (laughs) I'm hedging my bets here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah hold off as long as you can because they get freaking brutal man no nah, man i have never i have never found a troll on twitter i've never, never had a bad it. experience no no always a good day on twitter i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> just tell people to handcuff their own running backs once once and watch what happens <laughs> there you go there you go um let's let's talk Traylon Burks like this is (laughs) this is I I've got like a couple I have some fairly loaded questions I've got some agendas here Matt and Mm -hmm. uh for every every time I talk to a rookie uh, Devi uh expert like yourself uh the two things that are going to come up 2022 versus 2023, because I think that there's some very important strategy there uh, that I think that uh, that we're going to need you to weigh in on. So we'll get to that. And then Traylon Burks, because right now, speaking of the Twitter streets and uh, they're they're just, you know, they're they're world renowned rationality. They've got Traylon Burks right now. A lot of people are are projecting Traylon Burks to be rookie pick 1.01 in a freaking super flex league. Which I, I'm, I, I would, uh, I'd really love to hear the argument for that because, um, you just heard, uh, you just gave the argument against it to me, you know, talking about an eight player tier, you don't have a tier of eight players at quarterback. You don't have a tier of eight players at running back. You know, it makes those two positions, uh, you know, there's, they're, they're higher priority because they're more scarce. They're more premium, you know? So to me, like that's that's part of the reason right there. Plus, you look at the landscape that's already in the NFL. There are a lot of ways to replicate 
you know, what you're, what you're likely going to get from Traylon Burks. To me, that's the reason to not take him one one Um, I, I also, <laughs> I mentioned the other day, I mean, it's kind of sound like when you, when you look around it at some NFL mock drafts from people who aren't really paying attention to fantasy football, you know, it, you, you, you kind of see Traylon Burks going anywhere from wide receiver three to wide receiver, you know, five. Uh, We see that happening quite a bit. We're kind of basically indicating that NFL franchises, NFL scouts don't see Traylon Burks the way we do. And that's okay. They don't have to. Uh, But, you know, I, I do think that we can, we should probably question that a little bit. Uh, and I'm just curious if, if, you know, if, if there's to you, is, is there, is there a scenario where he goes one-on-one? Is there a reason to take him one-on-one? And is there, I mean, maybe I should, maybe, maybe I should calm down a little bit on this, on this Traylon Burks hate here. <laughs> if, if you want to call it that, I mean, saying he's not one-on-one in a super flex apparently counts as, as hate, uh, if you ask Twitter, so. I'll, I'll, I'll wear that. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll own that. Um, but yeah, I mean, do I need to come off of this a little bit? Is there, is there, uh, a reason to expect him to be good enough oh, and maybe the other positions are bad enough that we consider him at one one Yeah. I think I have a, a lot of thoughts on that and I, and I hope I make <laughs> a, a coherent argument because I feel like I, I want to go down like five different directions with I that. Know, right. <laughs> I'm trying to choose which one I want to go down. I'll start here. I, I think, you know, I'll, well, let me start here. With For me right now, I, I do still have two quarterbacks that I would take as of today, February, you know, mid-February when we're having this discussion. There's two quarterbacks that I would take over uh, Traylon Burks, and that's Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral. Uh, I think in two months, Malik Willis will probably be in that same conversation. Maybe Kenny Pickett won't. I think Matt Corral is going to be in that conversation. But he, here's uh, and, and here's why I think Traylon Burks will probably come off the board in some leagues with the 101. I'm not saying I'm going to select him with the 101. Sure. I don't think I would because I very much you know appreciate the value of the quarterback position in a super flex league. I say all the time. And, you know, I, I pretty much play exclusively in super flex leagues. If I don't have two uh, really good quarterbacks and then a third quarterback who I know I'm able to fill in that, that QB2 slot or that super flex slot, if I don't have those three good, reliable quarterbacks, I never consider my super flex dynasty team a contender. Never, right? Um, and so I understand the value of having – of using – you know, your 101 to 102, 103 on a quarterback here who could, you know, be one of those those three quarterbacks that are crucial on your roster. And of course, you know, even if they're quarterback four or five, but if you're drafting 101, they're probably you probably need some quarterback help. Um, but but that being said, you know, Kenny Pickett, I think, is going to be a good NFL pro. He's got great mental processing, he's got good accuracy, he's got good arm talent. He's not the flashiest, right? He doesn't come with the highest ceiling. Matt Corral, he had a huge college football season, uh, and he has a good arm. He's very accurate. 
he is a game manager and I don't see that in a bad way. Right. I mean, he, he is in the best way, a game manager. And so I, I understand why folks, you know, would look at Kenny Pickett and they look at Matt Corral and say, you know, I finished last in my league last year. I want to, I want to be hype about my pick, right? Like I, I want to draft ceiling and I want to draft upside. And I'm a huge proponent of that. You know, I always say, if you find players in the same tier, draft a player that has the most upside for fantasy football because we don't play scared here, right? So I understand why folks are tempted with Traylon Burks. There's that jump out of your seat excitement value where I think with Kenny Pickett and Matt Corral and uh, to a degree Malik Willis, there's just a little bit less of like, I'm going to smash this pick. I'm going to turn around my team with this one pick, which you're not turning around your team with any one pick. I guess maybe unless it's Jamar Chase um, uh, or Jonathan Taylor, I guess you maybe you can turn your team around with one pick, but I don't <laughs> think, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral. And I like those players. I'm drafting those players. Um, but I, I think that's kind of maybe the psychology behind uh, why Traylon Burks might go one one in some leagues. However, yeah. I'm on your side of things. I think you can like Traylon Burks and, while at the same time saying, yeah, he's worth the 103. He's not worth the 101. Um, and if you feel so inclined that you need to draft Traylon Burks at 101, try and trade down, right? Like yeah. trade down to 103. And if he gets sniped from you, you get Garrett Wilson or Drake London or Chris Olave or whoever you like at 103. And you've picked up an extra second round pick or future second round pick or, you know, whatever you can get by trading back. I think that's the proper approach instead of just reaching at 101 because you 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 want to feel a certain way when making that pick. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really good point and it you know as far as you know kind of piggybacking off of the psychology of it. I also can't help but wonder this was supposed to be a really good rookie class uh, of of quarterbacks in 2021. You know, with with Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and then of course generational talent Trevor Lawrence. Those were supposed to be transformative players, mm-hmm. and we didn't get that. I mean, the closest that we got was Mac Jones, which was the one guy that nobody wanted, and he ends up being kind of the closest thing to, you know, a, a, a an actual hit at the quarterback position you know, from as a rookie anyways, mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It, there's the, the story is not written obviously, but you know, again, if you went into it, like you said, at one one you earned the one one in 2021 and you know, you took Trevor Lawrence thinking, all right, this is, this is how my team gets turned around. This is how I write the ship. And then you got virtually nothing from Trevor Lawrence towards the end of the season. He wasn't even startable anymore. You know, you're kind of feeling like, all right, so uh, first of all, quarterback is not the, you know, it, 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 it's not quite as powerful as it seems, certainly not with rookies, you know, and then not on top of that, you saw the people who had those later picks and got Jamar mm-hmm. Chase, you know, it, around with, you know, the fifth pick or whatever it was. And then you got Jalen Waddle in the late first or early second. And they went and won freaking championships with those guys. And you're just kind of like, all right, so that's what I need to do. That's what I need to recreate. And that's that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest flaws that we have in all of fantasy football is the need to chase what just happened. Yes. And <laughs> which is, it, you know, that's 
that obviously that's you know there's not going to they're like snowflakes each each of these seasons it's its own thing it's very unique uh it's not going to be a wide receiver season it's not necessarily going to be a strong rookie wide receiver season here mm-hmm. in 2022 uh you know it's still possible that these guys end up being you know, starter every every week for fantasy purposes. It, it's possible that you get some of that, but you're also pro- I, I, this is this is really this is where it gets really hard for people to conceptualize. But you are going to get some quarterbacks out of this rookie class, believe it or not. Like you look at the names and you're just like, Superflex dude's out of his mind. But you're gonna you're probably you're gonna get some every week starters out of this rookie class at quarterback. That's that's my own personal belief. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I I'm kind of curious to hear more uh, about some of those names from you. And man, here's the problem: like we're gonna run out of time way before I get all these questions answered. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess I guess here's let's. I I feel like we can kind of start to mold this a little bit for people. Mm-hmm. I feel like we can kind of start to put it in the context a little bit, put it into perspective a little bit for you. And you can absolutely throw Traylon Burks into this. If you would like, um, I won't fault you for it. I won't, I won't trash you. Um, you know how I feel about Traylon Burks now, uh, but we're going to put that aside and I'm going to put all those, all those the preconceived notions, all those priors aside and give you free reign here. Who are the players across, you know, all four positions? We know uh, we'll say three positions because we know Trey McBride isn't sneaking into this conversation. Uh, who, who are the players that you feel like are in the discussion for rookie pick one one in a super flex league, you know, dependent on you know things like landing spot draft capital like who are some guys who are right now who are kind of in that in that bucket who belong in the discussion if things go a certain way yeah and and you know just be that's a really good question and you know just quickly kind of commenting off of of what you said about uh folks frustrated with last year's quarterback class i think that's such a good point because i think you know it's people are you know, that could potentially be be leading to this hesitation too, right? Like last year was generational. And if, if they didn't hit for me in year one, why the, why the freak is Kenny Pickett going to hit for me? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, but, and I, and I think what folks, you know, have to remember is that the quarterback position is a difficult position uh, to translate to the NFL. It takes time. Right. I think we got a little spoiled with some quick hits. Lamar Jackson, uh, league breaker did not hit in year one. Uh, you know, um, uh, Josh Allen <laughs> did not hit in year one, right? Like uh, Kyler Murray did not have a good first year. He hit a fine first year. He didn't hit in his first year. We got spoiled yeah. with Justin Herbert, right? <laughs> and so yeah. all of a sudden, you know, everybody needs to be Justin Herbert. And then what we're seeing as a trend on the flip side of that is it used to be that we always had to wait for wide receivers, right? It was year two wide receiver breakout. But then you have Jamar Chase smash, you had Jalen Waddle smash, Justin Jefferson smash. And now I think folks are saying, wait, now I don't have to wait for wide receiver and I do have to wait for quarterback. You know, what am I, <laughs> why am I doing that? I, I think that's that's such a good point. Um, 
and but, now but we I, have I, to uh, sorry it, now we have no, to wait on running backs too jonathan yes. taylor took a year it <laughs> just right. kind of flipped everything upside down like what all right, so what the hell do we do then? <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it's part of the process, people. We talk about I talked about it, but you know, I try to manipulate in, in my dynasty leagues the fact that that people are not patient dynasty players, right? And yeah. you know, I'm I'm guilty of it to a degree, just as much as everybody else. But I think one of the advantages that I have is that you know, you go in and you draft these players with confidence, you give them some time, right? You know, we miss on players that we're confident on, of course, but I'm going to give them some time before I really take the L on them. Uh, I will not give them some time before I take the victory laps. Now, on the flip side of that, you know, I'll just throw that out there. Uh, but but tying back in, into the original question here of, of who could potentially go 101. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the player that we're not talking a ton about just yet, um, and, and I did, I, you know, I, I alluded to this earlier. I think Malik Willis could go 101. Malik Willis uh, had a good senior bowl, and he's got the upside. He's got a huge arm. He has pure athleticism, and I am using the word athleticism, not mobility, right? Like he is fluid. He's elusive. He has good field vision, so he can run the ball and he can throw the ball. And we know whether you feel like it's a broken system, whether you feel like it is just the way Superflex should be, we know if you can run, you have a huge upside uh, in fantasy football right now at the quarterback position, right? Uh, Malik Willis is somebody who originally when you were hearing NFL chatter, you know, maybe he's a late first round pick. Maybe he's a second round NFL draft pick. I got to tell you, I think mid first round is his floor right now. Malik Willis is going in the first round of the 2022 NFL draft after Mobile. I feel very confident saying that. And I wouldn't be shocked if he's QB one off the board for NFL purposes. Um, You know, in, in terms of quarterback, I think Kenny Pickett, Uh, Could also be quarterback one off the board in the 2022 NFL draft. And if that does happen, then I think he could be the one-on-one in super flex leagues. We've talked about Traylon Burks. I do put him in that conversation. I don't think we have to keep repeating that. Uh, For me, one of the two running backs uh, could be the one-on-one Isaiah Spiller, who is my higher rated running back, but I know there's folks who like Brees Hall as well. You know, Isaiah Spiller for me uh, is a a really well-rounded running back. Uh, you know, he's he's really smooth. He's methodical. Uh, he has solid vision. He shows the ability to consistently read open gaps. He, he uh, can create his own space. He's got clean footwork. He's got good le- lateral movement. He has subtle slipperiness to his game. And I think he's a really, really effective goal line back. And that in particular can help push his fantasy football value. There are folks who are really high in Brees Hall because they love his production in college and they like his tape. I like Brees Hall. I wouldn't draft him with my top pick. I probably won't end up with any Brees Hall because I think he's just good. Uh, and, and, you know, I know I'm, I'm giving a long list here, but it wouldn't surprise me if Kenneth Walker goes off the board 101 in a league or two, right? Because there are people who love Kenneth Walker. And I think, too, for some folks who may watch college football a little bit more casually, they saw Kenneth Walker push for the Heisman, and they're wondering why he's not in everybody's 101 conversation, right? powerful back, you know, really bursty, really explosive, gets to that second level of the field very well. And so I think there's, you know, three running backs that legitimately could go 101 on top of all the wide receivers that we've mentioned. I think in particular, you know, on top of Burks, it's Garrett Wilson or Drake London. Those seem to be the two wide receivers that folks are very excited about. You know, Garrett Wilson in terms of just being a a really – technically sound wide receiver really crisp route runner really good hands 
uh, a good speed. I think especially if Garrett Wilson goes and posts a better 40 time than expected. You know, right now I kind of put him in the low four fours, but if he runs a higher uh, or a better time than that, then, you know, he could potentially be the one-on-one. Uh, and then Drake London, just for the fact that he is a huge target coming in at 6'5", super athletic, great vertical ability, great hands, big red zone upside to him. I think, you know, I, I realize that I just listed off seven or eight guys, but I, I think it speaks to how wide open this draft class is in February. You know, when we get to April, when we get past the NFL draft, when we get to May and it's rookie draft season, I think that number probably will be pared down to three or four players. But I don't think it's going to be like we headed into last year and said Trevor Lawrence is the 101. Let's argue about the 102, right? It's it's an open conversation. And I think that scares some folks and suggests that there's less value in the class. But I, I tend to lean into it the other way and say where there's not consensus, there is value, right? Because you can formulate your own take and you can hit on that. You can hit on that value. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, especially like when – in retrospect, again, you know, 1.01 probably, it, you you would have been better served taking Najee Harris or Jamar Chase or maybe even Kyle Pitts, you know, kind of depending on filling needs, which to me, that's that's the, the real key for the rookie draft. Like, that's what we're really trying to do is, is you know, fill in, fill in those gaps, uh, you know, kind of where it's needed. Um, and you know, it, it, like this, this does feel like a very good class for that. It feels it, at least at, at quarterback, it feels pretty top heavy. It, it feels pretty top heavy at running back. And, you know, the, to me, those are the positions to really target generally in, in, or at least early in rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. Like that's, those are the positions I mean, you got to have quarterbacks. You talked about it earlier. You got to have, you know, you've, you you have to feel good about the quarterback position, whatever that looks like, whether it's quarterback extreme or, you know, you're, you're the third guest in the last uh, three out of three, basically, who have said, you know, I want, I want those two elite studs and then I want a little bit of depth, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you don't have that, like this is this is your chance. This is the way that you that you kind of rebuild that. Um, to me, the other thing about it for me is like you can just never get enough running backs. We saw it again this year that you just even if they're not an NFL starter to you know in week one, at some point they're going to have a role, and at some point it's going to be a significant role. At, at some point it's going to be substantial. And last year, I mean, you could have took Michael Carter. You would have got a massive, massive value increase. Uh, there, there are even some guys that I'm not even thinking of at the moment. Javante Williams ended up being yeah, a pretty I mean, big. Go, go down to Elijah Mitchell. Go down to uh, Chuba Hubbard. Yes, you know Kenny Gainwell had weeks where you know he was a running back too this past year. And Ramondre Stevenson, Khalil Herbert, Khalil Herbert. What a good example, right? Yeah. Like at the at the running back position. You only need them to be, you know, the running back two or three on a roster. And what's so great about the running back position is, you know, draft capital is important. It's important to me. I value it in. But for the running back specifically, you can draft the running back that you love that goes in the fifth, sixth, seventh round of the NFL draft that goes undrafted because it only takes 
uh, one injury, right? It only takes CMC going down, David Montgomery going down, and all of a sudden, you know, you're relevant. And running backs, you know, it's it's not uh, it's not fun. Running backs go down all the time, right? And and so yep. there's always opportunity for you to stash on your taxi squad or at the bottom of your roster. You know, especially we were talking about those third round picks, those those late second round picks. If you're accumulating those right now, you're going to have some really good running back stabs to take. Uh, in and they could, you know, very quickly pay off for you. I mean, if you told me that Chuba Hubbard was gonna was gonna put up, you know, the type of weeks that he did, you know, you would never be able to project that. But that's why you have those those spots on the bottom of your your bench or or in your taxi squad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Man, I loved Chuba Hubbard too, and it felt like a bad landing spot. To it was know, terrible. To, it was, <laughs> to it was a, it Christian was, McCaffrey. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like forget this guy. I mean, you know, folks that were already off of him, I was off of him to be completely honest with you. And and then he ends up in, in Carolina, and you're almost like for me, who is off of, of Chuba Hubbard, I was like, this is great. I didn't waste somebody I like in this landing spot. And then it ends up that it it, it works out for him. Now, yeah. the long-term value is terrible, of course, but if you flipped him while you could, you know, good on you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it just kind of, it just kind of goes to show, like you said, I mean, you know, there's, there's the, the running backs at some point, you know, if they, if they're high enough on the depth chart at some point, they're going to have a role. So yeah, it's a great opportunity to just kind of load up on them. And that's the cheapest you're going to get them is in that rookie draft. (laughs) But I, you know, it, 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 it works the exact same way at the top end, by the way, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, both of those guys are worth significantly more than what you would have been, you know, rookie pick 1.01. So like it, you, you've got to give up a couple of those in order to get to those guys now. So, oh yeah, easily. You know. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I had, and I had, you know, plenty of folks telling me that Najee Harris should not have been the running back one in last year's class. And, you know, easily was a running back one overall in fantasy football that was just that was that was fun that was a fun ride yeah for a lot of people he just jumped up into the top five in a lot of people's dynasty rankings and it's yeah. it's, it's all it's based on usage and it's based on the opportunity and it, so i guess kind of where i where i meant to go with that before i started meandering way way off <laughs> is back to back to you know the landing spot for Najee Harris is really kind of what part of what pushed him up um and again you know I, I you mentioned you know running backs it's it's not so much draft capital like that matters but it's also it's still you know they're they're gonna have a role at some point so whatever um landing spots are a little hard to tell as well and again, Chuba Hubbard is kind of evidence of this. But you know, some of the guys that you that you named, you know, I think, and probably the the a couple of you know Malik Willis, Matt Corral, those guys. It's pretty simple, right? If they have a starting job, they're probably in the conversation for one point oh one. It feels, and correct me if I'm wrong, it feels a little different with Kenny Pickett. It feels like the landing spot is going to play a bitty, a, a, a pretty big role in that. But I mean, there are some good jobs available. Like let's start there. The fact that he, you know, he could stay right there in Pittsburgh and that's mm-hmm. about the best starting job available right at the moment. 
you Steve, you know, you've got Tampa Bay, they need a quarterback. Uh, you know, it's very possible that some of these teams that are, you know, they might be pushed into a position where they're trading away QB one, you know, you could have, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you could have green Bay, you could have Seattle. It seems like a long shot at this point, Arizona, very, very long shot, but there's something going on there. So like, there's some good, there is some good starting jobs available. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it is, is that what we're looking for from Kenny Pickett? Does it have to be a job like that? And, and, you know, conversely, Sam Howell ends up in a, in one of those jobs. Does that put him in the conversation or is it, or, or is it still just a matter of talent for you? Are you it, for you, is it still just Kenny Pickett's he, wherever he goes, he's got all the tools Sam Howell, wherever he goes, you know, he's he, he's just not quite talented enough for, you know, whatever, however you want to put it uh, to make it into that conversation. Listen, the quarterback position, and this is one of the reasons that the quarterback position is so, so difficult to evaluate and hit on properly, because mm-hmm. much of their success depends on what the organization does with them. There's There's essentially no quarterback. I think Trevor Lawrence is a great example. There's no quarterback here who could come out of college and and succeed in every single NFL organization, right? You look at, you know, we referenced Lamar Jackson earlier. The Ravens spent multiple years completely revamping their offense, revamping the players that they put around him to be able to uh, tailor specifically to his skill set. Like the Ravens invested heavily in their interior offensive line because they knew that those guards needed to be able to pull. Those guards needed to be mobile and be able to kind of set the tone there. And then they built from the outside. And then it was only recently that they started, you know, spending significant draft capital on wide receiver. Uh, we won't even get into Hollywood Brown because I'm seeing a bunch <laughs> of news popping up on the side about Hollywood Brown. But, you know, you look at Josh Allen. Josh Allen uh, a, a, was a raw quarterback prospect. The Bills were patient with him. They gave him multiple years to develop. Uh, and what the Bills did really well, they didn't just go out and throw a bunch of money randomly around or a bunch of high draft capital picks. They got to know their quarterback and they went out and got wide receivers that fit Josh Allen's style. Like, yeah, they went and got Stefan Diggs, who would probably be good with any wide receiver or any quarterback. But you think about the way they intentionally got Gabriel Davis to stretch the field. That was a fourth round selection in the NFL draft. It was a great pick by the Bills. They brought in or, you know, really uh, leaned into Cole Beasley there and in Dawson Knox's athleticism, right? So they built really intentional weapons around them. And so that's a long-winded way of saying that this landing spot is going to be crucial for any of these quarterbacks, right? And you look at the top uh, and, and you see some landmines, man. I'm a Giants fan. I'm terrified for fantasy football of whatever quarterback goes to this uh, completely uh, <laughs> broken uh, a team, you know, hopefully we're on the rise, right? It seems like we're going in the right direction. I just praise the, the Bills front office with what they did with quarterbacks. So, you know, maybe that's a positive sign of encouragement and, and the Giants have a good defensive base there. So maybe that is a good landing spot, but I would focus more on the development, the the, the coaches there, the front office there more necessarily than I would about immediate projection, what you could fit into that first slot. Carolina at six, 
probably won't go quarterback. They might. You know, you have some good playmakers around you, and, and, and for a rookie quarterback to have a running back that they could dump the ball off to, that is really, really helpful, uh, almost as helpful as an offensive line. Uh, go down to 11. It doesn't seem sexy, but Washington, the commanders, uh, you know, they uh, they have Terry McLaurin, right? They have Logan Thomas. They have Antonio Gibson, and, and they've been putting money into the both sides of the trenches there. So, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, but, man, if Matt Corral goes to Washington, I don't care if he's a third quarterback off the board. Like, that is a good, good landing spot. And then you mentioned it, man. Uh, Malik Willis in Pittsburgh, Sam Howell in Pittsburgh with – those weapons around them, I mean, forget about it, right? Like, you can dump the ball off to Najee. You can stretch it with Deontay Thomas. You can, you know, if Juju comes back, you know, you have Pat Fairmuth there to work the underneath of the field. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm not, you know, I bucket players into draft capital, uh, you know, ranges. Um, and so 1 to 10 is, is one of mine, and then 10 to 20, and then 20 to 50. And so I think most of these quarterbacks right now, we can project in that 10 to 20 range. Uh, you know, certainly somebody will probably go top 10, but I don't care if they go to Washington at 11 or Pittsburgh at 20. It's it's not going to, to necessarily deter me uh, in terms of what I can project from them year one. I'm worried about, you know, what's their three-year development plan at the quarterback position? Do I trust that front office? Like, yeah, I trust Mike Tomlin more than I, you know, necessarily uh, trust some of these coaching staffs in the NFL, right? So that's going to determine more uh, about, you know, how I feel about that quarter. That's a little long-winded of, of a way of approaching that question, but uh, it, it's hard to hit on quarterback, man. It, it, it is hard. Yeah. No, it, it's it's very it's very important, though, I think, because I do think that we're going to talk way too much about landing spot and – I mean, essentially kind of what you just said is landing spot is important, but it's not the landing spot right now. It's right. Right. Like, like for instance, I, like I just last week, I said, Zach Wilson is, is a buy for me in, in, you know, for, uh, for dynasty purposes. And last year, I mean, part of knock on Zach Wilson is that is an awful landing spot. It was at the time. They hadn't drafted Elijah Moore yet. They hadn't drafted Michael Carter. Right, I mean, right. they you know they brought in Corey Davis, but you know this 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 had not been a situation that looked particularly sexy. And now you know, one year later, it, it, like it looks to me like the Jets are on the right track offensively. So, yeah, I I really like that point. That's not something that I had had thought of, much less verbalized at this point. But it. That feels vitally important. Um, what about the? I, I I'm I'm trying to figure out if if the wide receivers and running backs if it's if it's a similar answer when when we're looking at landing spots or or at least draft capital. You know, is that and and you know, kind of back to Traylon Burks for instance. Like mm-hmm. I said, a, a lot of mock drafts have him going a little bit later than some of these. You know, some of these more. Uh, you know some of the some of the crisper route runners, some of the mm-hmm. guys you know who are who are a little less dependent on athleticism, and you don't have to manufacture touches for them quite as much. Um, you know, so but like, does that matter? I mean, it, the thing is, if the later Traylon Burks goes, the better the team is that he's going to most most likely. 
So yeah, I don't know. It does it does does landing spot or draft capital does that play into it at all for you at, at running back or wide receiver yeah you know draft capital plays into it certainly and, and i just referenced it you know uh the nfl uh, you know most people think of oh there's 32 first round picks the nfl doesn't nfl front offices don't consider there to be 32 first round players in each each year's draft there's kind of you know we get the kind of a magic number uh, or, or, you know, folks have different names for it, but usually that ends up being, you know, 19, 18, 20 players. And then past those, those 18, 19, 20 players, most NFL teams consider it to be, you know, second round or day two picks from that point. So my draft capital bucket goes, uh, picks 20 to 50. And then this year it's 50 to 102. You know, that second number will change based on the, uh, the compensation numbers. But, you know, I mentioned that to say, you know, especially in this year's running back class, you know, there might be one player that gets in that 20 to 50 bucket. And then from that point on, 50 to 102 is going to be, you know, three or four or five other running backs, right? And so uh, it's it's kind of wide open. When I'm thinking about the running backs, you know, for me, the projection, the year one projection does matter a lot more for the running back and the wide receiver position. Running back specifically, what I'm looking for, especially over the last couple of years, I'm looking for their ability. I want to be able to project volume for them in the passing game. That seems to be a difference maker over the last couple of years. You look at Najee Harris. You look at uh, DeAndre Swift. Folks are still really sleeping on how often DeAndre Swift gets targeted in the passing game, and that's one of the reasons why he's so effective. Now, you can you can get past that, although Jonathan Taylor has pretty good volume in the, in the uh, passing game as well, but you can get past that, right, if you can project rushing yards, if you can project – uh, you know, confidently those touchdowns. Uh, but, you know, I, I think sometimes folks get so caught up in the offense and not the projection itself, right? We can call this the CEH effect, right? A lot of folks got excited about CEH to Kansas City. Some folks, regrettably still, I'm sure they have trouble sleeping at night because they rose CEH above the other Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift in the class. Um, but I, I think that when they did that, they they weren't actually plugging it into projections. They, they weren't actually plugging it into a projection sheet because you could see in that offense, the rushing volume wasn't necessarily there. Uh, when you translate it to the wide receiver position too, it's a very, it's a very similar thing, right? You go back and in pre-draft in 2020, uh, pre-draft, I was high on Justin Jefferson. I had him as my wide receiver four, I believe, pre-draft. And I went in and I plugged him into the Vikings and everybody, you know, kind of had this feeling of, ah, the Vikings, they're a run first offense that, you know, that's not going to be a good landing spot. And I just plugged Justin Jefferson in looking at his projection, projection, looking at uh, the type of production uh, and the type of numbers that we could look at for wide receivers with a similar skill set within the last five years. And then, you know, plug him into that vacated target volume. And, and I was looking at it and I was wondering why I was the only one I shouldn't say only one. I'm sure there were other people, but one of the few people, you know, saying Justin Jefferson is going to be the wide receiver one in his rookie season. Right. And so uh, it, it, it's, it's really about what you can project for volume. 
uh, in targets is it for me? Like, you know, if, if you can get those targets in the offense, it was one of the reasons I love Jalen Waddle, right? Because Jalen Waddle, Miami didn't have the sexiest offense. We had questions about the quarterback position. We, you know, there's all, all the rumors about Tua and what was Tua going to play and was Tua healthy. But you, you look at Jalen Waddle, man, he was a high, high volume pass catcher in college. He had great reception percentage. You could project that forward, right? And you could plug him into an offense. So, for me, it's not about, you know, looking at the offense and saying, you know, who's going to get drafted to the Chargers because Justin Herbert can bomb the ball deep. Like, yeah, fantastic. But if they re-sign Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are there, how much is really left over for a wide receiver three, right? So it's not just about being in a high-octane offense. I think you can do just as well with players who, you know, are the wide receiver one or, or even two on their roster, even if they're a run-heavy team, if they're going to be able to get over that, you know, 90, 90 to 100 target mark, they're going to be in a really good spot for fantasy football purposes. Nice. I like it. That And that feels like a good place to kind of wrap up 2022. I do have to ask you about this. I know that we're, we're really close on time here already. Um, but I mean, I can't let you get away without, without asking you about this, this, this has been, all right. So this has been kind of an ongoing conversation uh, that started several months ago. And I'll be honest with you, Matt, like it has kind of turned into a little bit of a core strategy for me at this point. It feels to me like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but here's, here's, you know, looking at these next two draft classes from 10,000 feet. What I see is, you know, in 2022, there are some good, you know, kind of depth type of guys for fantasy purposes. Uh, I mean, I think that you're going to get some, some, there, there are going to be some guys that come out of here and become starters for you. Um, but I mean, it, it just kind of, again, the, the, the bird's eye view of this class is lots of opportunities to build up some depth, uh, particularly deep at wide receiver. But, you know, this is, this is still a fairly deep class when you're talking quarterbacks. And then you mentioned all the opportunities to load up on running backs, which is, you know, the, which is, which is great. That's super helpful uh, for us, I believe. But is in terms of, you know, league winning type of, of players, I don't see a lot of that, especially when I compare it to to 2021 and even more yeah. than that, 2023. Like yeah. I look at 2023 and see, you know, superstars coming in here uh, at every position, but in particular, those two premium positions at quarterback and at running back. Uh, I know that it's not as deep at wide receiver. At least it doesn't sound like it, um, but you know, and, and again, this is all, this is all just kind of somewhat educated, uh, but uh, we need the educator here to, uh, to actually, you know, kind of refine this, tighten this up, but it looks like not as deep a wide receiver, but more top heavy. It looks like you've got some guys coming in. Keishon Butte seems like kind of the consensus number one, but like, that's the type of guy that, you know, you, you, as you mentioned earlier, you want to be excited about those early picks, especially 101. I mean, in 2023, it looks like kind of regardless of what position it is you're targeting, you're going to be excited 
about a potential superstar. And so all of that leads me to, to feel like if there's an opportunity, uh, you know, if, say you've got kind of a, say you've got a, a little bit of a rebuild roster. You're not looking at being super competitive in 2022 in particular, you, you know, you weren't super competitive in 2021. You had some pretty young players. Uh, you know, to me, it feels like you, you punt. It feels like you punt 2022 trade out of 2022 tank for the year to make your own pick better in 2023 while you're loading up on other people's 2023 picks and take advantage of the fact that 2023 looks like a class that is going to set you up to, to actually build a dynasty. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, I think it's interesting. You know, you look at like, like if I'm pulling up here, I'm pulling up um, the, the last couple wide receiver classes and where I've kind of uh, graded out players immediately following the NFL drafts, so not necessarily plugging in their projections yet, but just in terms of, of, of pure talent, you know, it would go CeeDee Lamb first for the wide receiver position. It would go CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase, Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Waddell, and then we would get to Traylon Burks, right? Um, and that's where I have Traylon Burks right now. So, you know, if you think about the last couple wide receiver classes, and we've talked about that position a lot, which is why I pulled it, you know, Traylon Burks is behind a lot of players, right? A lot of wide yeah. receiver twos and threes. And so, you know, I, and, and these are good players to be behind, of course. But, you know, I think it speaks to your point of, are you going to be able to turn around a bottom of the league roster with this year's class? No, probably not, right? And mm -hmm. I, and it takes a rare class to, to be able to do that. And I think, you know, folks want 2023 to be that class, and it could be. Um, but one of the things that I like to try to uh, preface for folks is that every year at this time of the year, we feel better than about next year's class than when we get to this time of the year, right? There's mm -hmm. always, I mean, if you if you think about where we were with the 2022 class at this point in 2021, man, we were hype about Spencer Rattler. Like Sp Spencer Rattler was the next Trevor Lawrence, right? And and Sam Howell, we we barely talked about Sam Howell tonight. Sam Howell was was the was the 102, or, or for some folks, the 101. And we had a really smash top tier of quarterbacks. Like if if we had this conversation a year ago and we were talking about next year's class. We, this would be a totally different tone about the quarterback position because we'd be saying, man, look at these two more great quarterbacks in this top tier. I wonder who can push them. I wonder who can be in that conversation, right? So, I, And I'm not saying that that's going to happen to the 2023 class, but there's always changes in values. There's always players that disappoint. There's always players that reclassify, right? Like the Chris Olave coming back for another season, even though nobody expected him to. Uh, that being said, you know, I, I think that there's an approach in between, right? Um, I, I think for me, if if I was saying, man, I got no shot this year, yeah. you know, but I have the 101, I'd try to trade back from the 101 to the 106. I'd try to trade back from the 106 to the 112. I'd try to trade. And maybe at this point, right, because if, if your roster is that bad, you got to clean some guys out. Yeah. So let's clean that out, right? And let's take our shots. Let's take our shots in the second round. Let's take our shots in the third round. Let's take our shots in the fourth round. 
you know, don't take yourself out of the rookie draft totally, but push yourself back in the rookie draft. Uh, load up on those 23 first round picks because, you know, or second round picks, my goodness, uh, because those are going to gain value and accumulate value over the next year, no matter what. Right. So, so I, I'd say, you know, you're in the right for going and getting those picks, but don't rule yourself out of this year's class because if you do hit on this year's Elijah Mitchell, right? Uh, you can go ahead and flip Elijah Mitchell for a first round pick next year. I've already done that. But if you do that at the peak, right? If you hit on this year's Mac Jones, the quarterback that falls into the second round, even if you don't need him, even if you don't feel like he's a foundation for your roster, you can flip that for, for a pick, uh, maybe a younger player and a pick in 2023. So I say all of that because I do think that there's a lot of value. And especially if your roster is that bad, you want to build depth and you're going to do that with second, third and fourth round picks. Right. So I, I think that there's a way to be in between. I don't think you're wrong for saying I can't turn around my, my, my garbage roster with just this draft class. You probably can't. Um, I don't know if you're going to be able to do that in 2023 yet either. So let's start in 2022. Let's take some shots. Let's try to hit on some of those guys. And hopefully you have a better foundation to build off of in 2023 so that every year you're not just trying to to nail every rookie pick. It's a tough strategy to hit on. It is. I really like that too, just because, I mean, we, we still know just based on career expectancy, you want quarterbacks in place. You want wide receivers in place is, is, as great as it would feel to be able to add Bryce Young to, I mean, really kind of any kind of roster. I, I've just, I've been telling people, you know, a big part of this strategy for me, it's like get everything else in place except for the running backs. And then, like I said, guide it to the bottom within the rules of your league, guide that thing to one one because B. John Robinson is going to change your life. <laughs> like that's yeah. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bijan's good. Like, there are some really freaking talented players in this year, in next year's class. Like, do not get me wrong. It is, there are talented players, and Bijan is ridiculous. And, you know, Bryce Young can be absolutely fantastic. Jameer Gibbs, I mean, you know, Keishon Butte, you talked about him. I mean, and there's always players that come out of nowhere, right? And yeah. that, you know, Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Walker would have never been in the conversation for a top three running back going into last year. Matt Corral never would have been in the top quarterback conversation. Uh, so there will be players that come out of nowhere too, and we get just as excited about, and that's what makes it fun. But, you know, I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, especially if you're, if you're looking long-term do not invest in, in this year's running back class early, right? Early. Don't spend your first round pick in that because you don't want to burn that shelf life, right? You need those running backs when they can compete, but you know, stash them on your taxi squad. I, I think that's where you want to go with the running backs. I think that's a smart roster build. Yeah. That's, that's always the problem. That's it's the biggest, uh, it's the weirdest dynamic in dynasty football is the fact that the, you know, the players, the running backs that we end up taking first overall in those rookie drafts really kind of belong on the rosters that are picking 12th, not right, first right. and vice versa. You know, the guys that the, 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 the teams that end up with that running back at one uh really don't have any business taking them there. You're not right. ready. You're not ready for that running back yet. So, but it, it sounds, it's even more pronounced this year. It sounds like, uh, do we have time for a, uh, to get a, a year nuts bold prediction from you, Matt? Uh, yeah, man, let's do it. All right, Matt Hicks, show us your nuts. 
now give me now give me this again. I just it's it's just it's just a take. I could just run with it. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a bold prediction, and it can be anything. It doesn't have to be, you know, twenty twenty two related. It could be, it could be. It, I, I'll love you forever if it's something about Carson Strong being a first round pick, NFL pick. Uh, <laughs> I know, I that's I know that that's a little too nuts, but but uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it could be draft related. It could be combine performance. It could be uh uh free agency if you wanted to get into vets yeah well it, it could be any of that okay okay well i can't well here's the thing i can't tell you that carson strong won't be a first round pick because jordan love went in the first round so i threw <laughs> out that rule like i nice. threw out the rule of saying that nobody no quarterback can be a first round pick all right you know what i'm gonna lean into a guy that i have been hyping up everywhere i can you know i i'll, I'll say you know Again, I'm just gonna throw this out there, and if it doesn't hit, I, I was I never said it. You know, my, my totally going in on it. Christian Watson, wide receiver at a North North Dakota State. Man, he might end up a top tier quarterback from this year's group. Right now, he's sitting down there at 13. He went to the combine. Do all right. So this guy, he's six four, uh, two ten. I believe he weighed in at six four two ten. Oh, I watched God. his tape for the first time. You know. Flipping yeah. on the, the grainy North Dakota State tape. Uh, and, and I'm looking at this guy. I hadn't looked up his measurables yet. And I'm like, man, this guy's twitchy. He's fast. He's versatile. He's athletic. I was like, man, I hope he weighs in good because he's probably 5'10", a buck 80. And then I look at his measurables and I'm like, this guy's freaking huge. You look <laughs> at him at, at the Senior Bowl, dude. He was the best wide receiver at the Senior Bowl. I think he's a top 100 pick. If he wasn't wearing that North Dakota, North Dakota State helmet, he'd probably be a top 40 or 50 pick. And so this guy is super, super talented, man. He's a boundary monster. I love that because he's got NFL touchdown upside. Uh, and probably, you know, most folks listening here probably haven't heard about him, but I'm not going to shut up about Christian Watson here because I think he's got a huge upside. And again, another player will probably be in the third round of your rookie leagues, you know, all day. So, you know, maybe that's maybe that's uh, bold enough for you. But, <laughs> I, man, bold. I love Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. And, you know, the I'm telling you, man, you, you put on their jersey, you might not be able to tell the difference between, you know, David Bell and, and Christian Watson, except Christian Watson is a better contested catch guy. Wow. Oh, okay. Oh, so he's a wide receiver. Okay. I, I was yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I'm so, okay. yeah. I'm so, yeah. I, okay. Yeah. So I hadn't even heard of him. So, <laughs> so, there you go. so I right. couldn't even tell you if you're nuts or not, but, uh, I, I still you can just love tell me I am. It's probably for the best. <laughs> that's that's the way the game's supposed to go. So I'll say you're a little bit nuts, uh, considering again, most of us haven't even heard of him. But I mean, that's where these that's that's where fantasy is won and lost is on those is hitting on those sleepers, man. Like it's we're we're we mentioned earlier, you're gonna be able to replicate Traylon Burks if you don't get him. You know, you're going to get very similar production either by trading that pick or by picking a different wide receiver out of the same tier. But, you know, it's it's the it's the Christian Watson's of the world. It's the Cooper Cups of the world. He wasn't he wasn't a high draft capital. Washington, man. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Those are the type of guys that that uh, that win leagues for us. So I, I like it. Uh, I, yeah, at first I thought he was a, a quarterback and I, that's where I was going to say you're nuts because, 
that's the six foot four is the type of guy. Like I'm, I'm scared to death that my Denver Broncos are going to fall in love with Desmond Ritter. Oh man. Don't just do that to me. <laughs> just don't because do he, that to me, man. <laughs> just because he's big. And I'm just like, but the thing is he's bad. So <laughs> that's, not... <laughs> that, that's perfect. That's, that's what we look for that we look for. <laughs> actually big, yeah unfortunately unfortunately big and bad <laughs> is kind of the denver mo so uh which i hate to say because i know that you're a drew lock guy yeah uh, well kind of one of the holdouts never but, never uh never give up on drew you know next yeah. year's the year <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah somewhere somewhere just not in denver just but, <laughs> i think he could be a good nfl starter somewhere but man it's just it's it's just time to try something new. Give me give me somebody who's like sub six foot and just runs around people. I like can barely throw the ball down the field, but just just runs circles around guys. Like that's that's what the Denver Broncos need to go along with the change in philosophy. So De'Ara King, I guess. Uh there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh what a what a what a waste of the fantasy football weapons my goodness i know <laughs> i know uh but yeah there is a part of me rooting for malik willis just because i uh, like just just that type of quarterback would be just a breath of fresh air whether it works or not so that'd be fun that'd be yeah. oof, oof, that'd be fun yeah Christian Watson. We're going to keep an eye on that name. We're going to keep an eye on Jerome Ford. We're going to keep an eye on Charleston Rambo. There you go. My new favorite name in this draft (laughs) class. (laughs) And we're going to keep an eye on the rookie big board. Again, there's a podcast and a YouTube channel. You, You do it live on YouTube and then put it up on the podcast. Is that every episode that you do it that way? Yeah, man. Every episode is on YouTube. Uh, every episode is on the podcast channel as well. Uh, so yeah, in the in the rookie profiles are also on the NFL Draft Bible Podcast Network. And uh, you know, I got the content over. Uh, all my rankings are on Patreon.com/slash the FF Educator, and we got a rookie big board Discord. So yeah, man, we're we're trying to do it all. Hit all the platforms. You're a busy man, that's for sure. You also got the draft seminar with John Lobb that you guys do. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. That, that's on YouTube or on the uh uh that ends up on the rookie big board YouTube channel and on the NFL Draft Bible Network. I believe Yeah, you got so it, man. You got it. Who yeah, you, you have so much going on, it's hard to hard to pin all of it down, but I think we got it all, right? Is that I think is, yeah, I think we got it all, man. Yeah. Nice, nice. Matt, so good to have you back. Thanks for coming on, my brother. It's uh, like I said, it was it was way too long. We need to do it more often, and especially if you're going to give us this much useful information. Holy hell! Like, what? Like, why am I just bringing on Stompy to to yell at me about <laughs> stupid shit all the time when I could? We could be learning something from the FF educator. Oh man, I'm gonna get a DM from Stompy after this. No, listen, man, it's so I enjoyed this conversation because 
you know, I'm, I'm happy. Normally I'm just talking about players and just talking about evals, which is fine. It's great. But you know, this is a good strategy based conversation. And I know that's what this podcast really circles back to so often. So it was really great for me. I feel like I talked through some, some concepts. So this was, this was mutually beneficial here. Nice. I have never heard that before from a guest. So I'm a, <laughs> most of them are like, man, never again. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like what the hell was that? He just, <laughs> he just said stupid shit about how he's not drafting any players in 2022, but <laughs> except for Carson strong, just Carson strong. That's it. hundred yeah. percent exposure. One. And that's the perfect, because you'll just need a fourth round pick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> man we we should have stopped two seconds ago <laughs> before you went after my guy uh well, man. yeah i like my quarterbacks to have two knees so that's uh, uh yeah i know i know <laughs> man yeah we could we could easily talk more about that that just tells me that we probably need to uh meet up again this off season so we can talk about Carson Strong and uh, so much, so much more. There's so much more that we could and uh, will discuss. So again, thank you, Matt, for coming on at the FF underscore educator. Join that Patreon, uh, uh, Patreon slash the FF educator and Got keep it. up with all of Matt's work. Hell yeah. So let's wrap it up there for the week. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, Mega Feed. Uh, do me a huge favor and rate and review the Super Show. That just helps me to get out to more people and uh, touch on more topics that are useful to you, our super friends. Uh, you can get at me on Twitter at SuperFlexDude, at SuperFlexShow. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Tell